0: From the desk below.
1: shit man from the desk alone it's straightforward hip-hop boom bap and i'm telling you you came to the right spot my name mr walt representing that beat miners crew representing evil d representing all the beat miners flavor from the desk alone right here man giving you straight 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 heat aye Hey, yo, check this out, you know what I'm saying? It's DJ EWZ representing Black
0: Moon, representing Beat Miners, representing Beat Miners Radio. You know what I'm saying? I got a lot of things going on. I'm a Rocksteady crew member. I'm I'm all over the place, you know what I'm saying? But right now, we are kicking it from the desk of low. Word up. Callum Crushing It. That's right.
2: And with that be Alright, welcome back from the desk below. I have with me somebody very special to hip-hop. Um, let me tell you, a lot of people from Duckdown have been appearing on the show. So it's only right that we have the one and only, one half of the beat miners, Mr. Walt.
1: Hey, what's up, y'all? How y'all doing?
2: How you doing today, sir?
1: I'm good, I'm good.
2: Enjoying this Sunday, sir? Yeah,
1: yeah, you know, it's, it's a nice laid-back day for me. Yeah. Man <laughs> I,
2: I could tell you want to know. You definitely sure sound like your brother.
1: I just <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Do Some people say we do sound uh the same.
2: Okay. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Walt, um I've been a fan of you since since I can remember. Um I was wondering Thank Oh, any time. Can you, Thank t- you can you take me back to your first day at the music factory? My very first
1: day at the your music. Factory? Your very first day. Um it was uh, maybe April, March or April of 1987. Uh, it was a Saturday. Uh, the first day I worked at Music Factory, we did an in-store with Stessa Sonic that day. Okay. So I'm like, wow, I'm already on high. <laughs> as, soon as, we opened, as soon as we opened the store, right? And like I said, it's my first day there. Jam out J and run and run, come in to buy turntables. So I'm already like, "Wow, wait a minute, what's going on in here?" Right? And then later on that day, we do the install with Stessa sound, so I get to meet the guys from Stat. And then um, uh, I leave work early, which I wasn't supposed to leave work early <laughs> that day, but I left work early because you know I. I you know, it was like miscommunication with my boss. Yeah, and I'm walking down Jamaica Avenue and I see Cool Rock Ski from the Flatboys in a band. Ooh! And I'm like, "Wow! Like this got to be the best day ever." Uh, so I, f- from that day, I was very content with my job at, in Jamaica.
2: Wow, that's one hell of a first day. <laughs> yeah, take was, it all yeah, in. That was
1: an amazing first day.
2: <laughs> um, and I even heard that you sold LL Cool J's first radio.
1: Yeah, but that was before I worked worked there. Like, he bought that radio from my job, but I wasn't there working. I wasn't there yet.
2: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's kind of crazy yeah. how you got to see that.
1: LL was, con- and it's funny that you said, you asked me about LL, and I'm watching NCIS, like, right there. LL, he was constantly in in the store. Okay. Yeah, he would always come to the store. Matter of fact, when he was doing Mama Said Knock You Out, he would record the records with Marley, and then he would come by the store and play what he recorded.
2: Now, at that time, was that kind of surreal to you? Because LL Cool G's coming to the store playing records, it's like, what?
1: Um, I was two years deep into the store, like two years in. Okay, So it, it, it kind of, I was used to it. Okay. But but does him, see a lot of people used to test their records in the store too. Like for some reason our store was also a testing ground for records. So when he first did on Bad and it wasn't released yet, he brought it to the store to test it out for. Wow. So yeah, so when he was doing Mama says you see where walking with a panther, he kind of lost his street edge. Yeah, and a lot of people was giving yeah a lot of people was giving him a lot of like rough time for that. So he moved back to a Jamaica state. Jamaica state was like a little, somewhat of a sadity area around around Jamaica, and he was his family So he lived, and he used to go to Marley's house record the records, and then come back home. And then he would come to the Ave and, like, bring us stuff. Like, bring us stuff that he would record it.
2: Wow. I can not really imagine, like, <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: hearing, like, to the break yeah. of dawn. It was like, whoa, what the hell's this? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I,
1: he played, he played, um, uh, maybe E.M. Up L.
2: Oh, shit. He played
1: <laughs> Milk, maybe... Milky Cereal or Mr. Goodball, and then he played a joint that never came out called Mr. Controversy. That was really dope.
2: Wow, you even got to hear unreleased yeah. <laughs> LL Cool D. Yeah. You never got to hear.
1: Yeah. yeah. I heard a lot of unreleased records from a lot of artists.
2: Oh, yeah. I was going to ask. That was one of my yeah. questions, actually. Um,
1: yeah.
2: so, um. So, actually, um, The Shining uh, is celebrating 25 years Um, and, yeah. and, and one hell of an album, too. Um, I, Thank yeah, you. I want oh anytime. I once heard you say that that's a, like a part two to enter the stage.
1: Yeah, that's how I look at it. Like, enter the stage was one, enter the stage was one chapter or one part, and I felt like everybody loved into the stage and they loved how into the stage sound and what it ushered in and everything. But to me and E, we were like, yo, we could, we got to do better. Than this Like so When we had the opportunity To do the shining Uh We Our goal was to step up Um You know The sound And Just to make shit sound better And one of the things was Like When we did Into the stage We did Our sessions were from Six From twelve Midnight To six in the morning Where So I We figured Okay recording at night Is not gonna be the move So we have to record in the daytime so when we started working on the shine and i'm i'm the one i was the bad guy so i was the one that told tech and still say yo guys we're gonna record in the the daytime of course they wasn't too happy about that (laughs) 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 i mean i told i said listen like your ears are fresh in the day like at night what after going through a whole day of whatever you're doing at night when you're actually sitting down mixing or even tracking and stuff like that, your ears are going to be muddy from, from what of all the stuff that you heard throughout the day. So I was like, "Yo, let's just hit it where our ears are fresh, and we could, you know, see things in a different way or hear things in a different way." I like you, like I said.
2: I like how you said that too. Like, what yeah. what, what made you first like realize like you like when you hear stuff different during day and night? Because I, I realized that at an early age.
1: Because your whole, it's like that with your whole body. Like your whole body is, if it's earlier in the day, your body is going to be fresher, whatever you're going to do. But if you're going to do it, if you're going to start doing whatever you're going to do at night without even sleeping or without even like resting or or even starting your day over, your your body is going to be tired of what it went through um, throughout the whole day. So you want our ears to be fresh, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if you want our ears to be fresh, let us do it as soon as we, you know, like a little bit after we get up or a little bit after we start our
2: day. Now, I know a lot of people, they must like hit you up with like um, from that album too and tell you like, Wreck Time is my favorite, Buck Town is my favorite. Actually, Uh one of my favorites is from that album is Next Shit.
1: Yes, thank you.
2: Or anytime, and like I said, I like the like the album cuts. If you know what I mean by that,
1: yeah, yeah. My favorite is is keep it
2: moving. Oh, is it okay? Yeah, okay.
1: I love keep it moving. Keep it moving was my favorite one.
2: Now, did you give them the initial title KIM and then just like keep it moving? I was wondering like who named it? I never got a chance to ask Tech to feel that. Tech,
1: Tech was the Tech is the, the genius behind all that. Like all the. So the spelling of the songs and the actual titles, Tech was the
2: guy. Okay, okay, I yeah, see you, Big yeah. Tech. Okay. Yeah, Tech even, Tech even
1: did. I think Tech did into the face too. Like he did a lot of, the ti- not the titles, but he did a lot of the
2: spelling going into the states. Oh, because like I'm yeah. actually holding the vinyl in front of me right now, and I'm looking at yeah. the spelling. I was like. Okay, yeah, I see it. I,
1: I could play. be wrong about into the stage, but definitely The Shining. Tech
2: was the guy. Okay, okay. Yeah. Now, now um, do you have, like, a story about, like, what took you the longest beat to make on The Shining?
1: What took what? The longest beat to make? Yes, sir. I don't think... Uh, I don't think none of the beats took long to make. I think we two made them in... We made them in, like, a good amount of time. I don't okay. think there's no beat took a long time. Like, if, if it was any other project, I would say, yeah, this beat took long, this beat took long. But not on the shining. I think everything, or on my end, I think everything was done at a moderate rate.
2: Wow, okay. Yeah. Because back then, like, this is when you guys were moving, moving. Like, you guys are still moving now, but this is when the world was just getting introduced to you guys.
1: Yeah, Exactly.
2: Okay. Now, um, is it true that the track Crooklyn, Dodgers, and Murder MCs made you look at Buckshot and say, damn, he nice, nice.
1: Hell yeah. I didn't really, you know, I didn't really take him seriously as a lyric, lyricist. Like, I'm going to be 100% real, and that's one thing about me. You're going to get the truth yeah. from me, and if anybody gets pissed off, it's, don't, don't get mad because I'm telling the truth. But st- Steel is an intricate part of Buckshot becoming Buckshot. Okay. Like, if you listen to Enter the Stage, you can tell when exactly Steel walked in the door. Mm. Like, when you listen to records like Powerful Impact and Niggas Talk Shit and even, even like, you know, like, records like that and Who Got the Props and all that, you can tell that was pre-Steel. I can but see it. Steel, any record uh, from Act Like You Want It on is after Steele walked in the door. When Steele walked in the door, everything changed. He, everything changed. And Buckshot looks up to Steele as far as for well a lyricist. Like Steele is one of the un, most underrated lyricists in boot camp and really in this game. Like, this guy, I don't know if you listen to Black Moon's last record.
2: Oh, I um, have that on CD and, and my phone. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay, well, Impossible, Steele embodied that song.
2: Bodied that song, yes, and, I, and I'm glad. Like when they like when they released all two, like when uh, Steel was like, I love when they get like really heartfelt, like Dreamland. Like I felt that record by Steel. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Okay, so I can I I can definitely see that. I'm gonna go back and listen to that album after this, and actually listen, go yeah, back to that to mindset. Impossible and listen
1: to Steel's verse on it. Like he really, really like wow.
2: Um. The first time you ever met Tech and Steel? I've
1: met, I met them over here. I met them at my house. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, Buck bring them through. And automatically, I like, I took to Steel. Like, me and Tech, me and Tech, well, we, to this day, we still don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, but there's always a respect there for me and him.
0: Yeah, He's,
1: I'm June 2nd, he's June 3rd.
2: Okay, oh, right. wow.
1: Yeah, but there's a respect there, but we never really, really, like, seen eye to eye on a lot of things, but like I said, there'll always be a respect there, and, and uh, you know, it's just, we know what we, how we work with each other, and stuff like that, but me and Steel clicked, like, from day one.
2: Okay, now, I was yeah. curious, like, because I, cause I, cause I know from back then, tech never used to talk. Can you remember, like, the first time you got tech to talk? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> okay, I just I have to ask. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so um, that's actually interesting too. How you took to steel uh, more too, and it yeah, also like
1: Still, still, we were more. I have a thing like if I could talk to you about life, like if we could, if if, if we meet on some hip hop shit, that's cool. Yeah, but if we could talk to each other outside of hip hop, like just about life and. What's going on with your kids? What's going on with your mom? What's going on with my kids? Whatever, whatever, blasey, blasey. And when we ask each other questions like that, that means we have something more than this hip-hop shit. Yeah. And that's the type of relationship I have with still, where, where, um, you know, I have a that relationship with still, a, And it was always like that from day one. We always had that type of relationship.
2: And that's what makes a strong collective, too, is just exactly. having a relationship yeah. outside yeah. of the music. Yeah, outside of the music. Okay. Yeah. Um, you and um, Evil Deep broke a lot of records in your time. Can you remember the very first time you heard Mob Deep?
1: Oh, well, Mob Deep, we knew. First of all, I knew Prodigy way before he was in Mob
2: Deep.
1: Right? Okay. Prodigy used to come to the record store every Saturday. Every Saturday, prodigy, but Havoc wasn't with him. He was with some other guy. But every Saturday, prodigy would come to the record store and buy records. So then, when we heard, um, I guess it was peer pressure, and and um, hit it from the back. No, hit 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 it from the back was the second single. The first single, I think, was peer pressure, or it was something. It was something that. Large worked on, it was something that Prem worked on, but I forgot what the first single was. But Hit It From The Back was the record that we were like, okay, like this is a record right here. You know what I'm saying? And of course, we heard it first on uh, Stretch and Barbito and stuff like that. So when I put two and two together, I found out it was dude that used to come to the record store. That just made me more proud. I like, wow, right? You know what I'm saying? Like these, these dudes finally made it. So where they were going through their little bu- bullshit with 4th and Broadway. At this time, we came out and we were doing our little thing and stuff like that. Buckshot was very vocal on them getting off of 4th and Broadway. Okay. And getting them to loud. Like, Buckshot kind of helped that happen. Wow.
2: I can only imagine yeah. if they were to Buckshot, stay on the 4th and Broadway.
1: Buckshot was very vocal in that.
2: Oh, see, and this is why I love when artists do interviews too, because we yeah. get like little info like that that the world may oh, not know.
1: Right, hold on, I got my kids over
2: here. Oh yeah, and it's good to see you spend time with fam. Salute on that. Um, so <laughs> as as we come back to uh, you, were talking about the how Buckshot was very saying that they should get off 4th and Broadway. Now, you were saying that the Peer Pressure, um, when I looked at my phone, there is a large Professor mix, so maybe there's two versions of that song.
1: I don't remember. I forgot what the first single off of that album was. I think it was Peer Pressure.
2: It was the Peer Pressure DJ Premier And Flavor Premier of the uh, there, Yes, that was it. It was Alright, so those, that's
1: the first two records I've heard. Okay. But then, Hit It From The Back was the record that took off, but still 4th and Broadway didn't know what to do with that that. With
2: Man, I can only imagine, like, if they stayed yeah. on that, and we ne- probably never would have caught the end Yeah.
1: So they go to, um, they go to mm-hmm. Loud, Buckshot kind of sets it up for them to go to Loud, they're at Loud, they pop off, and they make their record, but it's still missing something. So, they bring in Q-Tip, and Q-Tip comes in, and he kind of pegs like, he kind of works with Havoc closely on the music. Yeah. And he put, he he sprinkles a little bit of his stuff on there, but he Havoc is still like he he's up and coming, but Havoc is still the guy in charge. But Tip is the one kind of going, yo, do this, do that, do this, do that, blah 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 blah, and then. The Infamous comes out, which is a great record.
2: You're gonna say you can tell Q tip's presence under temperatures rising, you can tell he had something different. Yeah, record. yeah, you
1: can hear it. Yeah, you can hear it with the production because that slapping snare that's Q tip. <laughs> yeah,
2: you don't yeah, give up the that's goods. Q-tip.
1: Yeah, that, well, that's that's the key record is give up the goods. Like that, that's that
2: snare, that's a, that's the sting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 okay. Um, I I was curious why Mister Blake was never on that album, but I understand things happen for a reason.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: Now, um, you have one of my most favorite albums that you and the beat, uh, Evil Lee ever did, "Breaks for Impact" on oh, Rockers oh, thank Records. You. Oh yeah, thank anytime you so I play that shit, day I ain't gonna front on that. The <laughs> the, the, the devastated, "This Is for Us," Black Moon and Lord Moosey. woo hoo. Uh.
1: That album kind of, like, that album kind of changed us as beat miners as, and stuff like that, and it was, like, that album did a lot for everybody. Like, it made me look at people different, and it made us look at situations different and, you know, stuff like that. But, I, yo, that album was was, it was special. It took us two years to make that record, but, you
2: know. Really?
1: Yeah, I waited to the day, I waited the day, to the, I waited till my son was born. Once my son was born, the day after, we started recording the record.
2: Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, this is the well. debut album for the people who are who are uh, not in tune of the Beat Miners.
1: Yes, this is our debut album, yeah.
2: And for the people who are wondering, um, they have an early, early Royce the Five 5'9 on here. Yes, yes. First record, actually. Right. It's a, it's... <laughs>
1: Royce, Royce
2: and lottery Torre the intro. Yes, they're live and direct. Brace for impact. Hello,
1: yeah.
2: Now, yeah. um, when you were getting ready to release this album, too, how was Raucous? Because I heard some crazy stories about how Raucous used to deal their business up there.
1: So, were you asking me how were their business-wise? Or well, like, no, was just they... like, how was it,
2: like, in the like, walking in their raucous buildings? All
1: right. In the beginning... Okay. It was an honor to be on that label, because I was just loving the music that they were making and the music that they were putting out. You know what I'm saying? Like, they just... They just, um... They just been, um... They just was making great records, and they were just making uh, great moves. Um, And every record that they made was just uh, something great for hip-hop, right? So, um, wait, hold on, I'm sending a text real quick.
2: Oh, yeah, no worries.
1: um, Uh, um, So they were just making really, really great records. So us just being a part of the fold, I just really, I was excited to be a part of that. So once we got in the mix and we started actually being a part of the family and just seeing, you know, being up in the, like actually being one of their artists and, and being, you know, like I said, a part of the family, we yes. saw things differently and we saw a lot of the bullshit. Like as far as the workers go, like a lot of the workers. I never had an issue with them. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Because I never, I'm not even really. I just never had an issue with nobody that worked there, except for maybe Black Sean at A&R. He was just bullshit A&R. But um, yeah, he was. He was full of shit. But um, um, everybody else, I loved. And Jared and Brian, who ran Rogers, they were a bunch of dickheads. So I, I just, after a while, yeah, they became dickheads, and I couldn't fuck with them.
2: But see, this is why I fuck with you, Mr. Wall. You tell the truth, yeah. and because like. Yeah. Um, you know when the situation's not right. It's like I can't fuck with this no
1: more. Yeah, yeah, I can't. It was just some bunch of bullshit. And then they were, they were, they were saying, um, like one of the guys that worked up, I forgot what his name was. It was like we over someone gave us the, uh, the inside number to their um, phone to their um, calls. I used to have. I okay. used to have like a call, like maybe Thursdays, every Thursday at twelve. Like we had the. We would call in, but never announce ourselves on the line. Okay. So one of the guys was saying, yeah, you know what? We're not going to put our all into this beat minor thing, whatever, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, we're just going to do this, and then we're they're local. We're going to keep them local. Damn. When I heard that, I was tight. Yeah, I was tight.
2: Yeah, I don't blame I you. I was
1: tight. Yeah, I was tight. They was like, yeah, these guys are really not going to do well, so we're just going to keep them local. And, and when and when, then when I got at that call, and I mean, when I was on that call, when I heard that, I, I looked at them totally different. That's when I became the, like, Evil D is the good guy. I'm the bad guy.
0: <laughs>
1: Evil D, Evil D is the, everyone loves Evil D. He's the mayor. He's the big teddy bear. And he's the one, he's this, he's that. Not Mr. Walt. Mr. Walt is the asshole. And Mr. Walt is like, okay, he's the mean brother. I'm the mean brother.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can. Uh, yeah,
1: I'm the mean brother.
2: Well even like uh, some of the stories you can tell, like you were. I don't like to say me. You were like the more serious one too. Like I can. Well, I'm the
1: I'm the older brother. I'm my mother's oldest child. I'm the older brother, so I've gotta make sure that I'm not saying that you know my brother is what, what is like a bullshit ass. But I'm the one that's going to tell you what you need to hear, and I'm going to tell you the tr- I'm going to tell you the straightforward truth. Like, okay, this is what's going down, and this is how we feel. E. Is, he's he's going to be the good guy, and which is cool. Yeah. One of us got to be bad, one of us got to be good. We're both Gemini's, and my fucking idol is the Joker, so that's me.
2: I'm the guy. <laughs> <laughs> the best Joker, I think, that played it was Mark Hamill the, in uh, his voice. Oh,
1: Mark nice. Hamill is good. Uh, the best Joker... I will say it's Heath Ledger, but Joaquin Phoenix was great. The only matter of fact, really, the only one I had a problem with is Jared Leto. I think Jared Leto is the worst Joker of all time. I will put, I will put Mark Hamill over him, and I will put Cameron Monaghan over him too. (laughs) Cameron Monaghan was really, really good as a Joker.
2: He was. He really was. Yeah. Um, okay, so now that I get a more sus- perspective on that, too, like, I can t- I can only imagine you telling E sometimes, go do security.
1: What, what wait, telling who? Telling
2: who that? E, when you used Why to... Why would I tell E that? <laughs> oh, because oh, uh, at the record job. I used to hear stories in interviews that E, that he's like, Mr. Wall, just be like, uh, you're tall, you're doing security. To my brothers. Yeah. Well, uh,
1: all right. That was only one time. (laughs) We we were doing an in-store with with, um, Big Daddy Kane and Ice-T. Okay. And we needed extra people to work that day. So uh, my brother, he was tall, but I was like, and, you know, I was like, listen, guys, I need you guys to come in and do extra work. I think it was him and 5FT. I was just like, yo, oh, come God. in and work in Jamaica with me. can just do security. Make sure everything is cool. We're doing an in store with Kane. And the in store was so out of so out of control. Oh, I bet.
2: This is where Big like, Daddy came like, was at. of Yeah, his so
1: we only let like three people in. Jamaica Avenue was on lockdown. We only let three people in and then we had to shut it down.
2: Jesus Christ.
1: And people all everybody on Jamaica came to see Kane. Oh. Nobody came to see Ice-T, so Ice-T was feeling some type of way about that. <laughs> <laughs> he was, was tight.
2: And for the younger kids listening now, this is before Instagram and social media.
1: Yes, this was before all that crap.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you actually had to go buy the magazine. Exactly. To
1: exactly.
2: Because um, in this day and age, we actually look back and actually start to appreciate being in print. Um. And that's an honor, because not that much of these kids can say, I've been in print magazines like you have.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
2: Um, do you still have any of those old uh, magazines or article clippings that you just cut out and framed?
1: Man, I may have one. I, I think in my possession, i got a couple, but I... Me and E only did a cover issue, like we had a cover story okay. once in our career, and it was for this overseas magazine. So I kept, I made sure I kept that magazine. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> the Sources and the XXLs and the Scratch magazine, when I moved, like, I used to live in Flatbush, yes. um, like, in, not from 99 to 2003, I left a lot of shit over there. <laughs> it was really, a, <laughs> I left all my Source and XXL in. Scratch Magazine's over. I was really upset about that. But, wow, yeah. you just said
2: Scratch Magazine. Yeah, the Kids Team scratch magazine.
1: magazine is my favorite mm-hmm. magazine of all. Me too. Jerry Umbarrow is the one, the guy behind that. So Jerry is doing much bigger and better things now? Yeah. But every time I talk to him a lot, and every time I talk to him, and I know he hates this, but hey Every time I talk to them, I always beg them, "Yo, bring back Scratch Magazine, yo!" <laughs> like that was the that was the true. I looked forward to that. Like the source after a while was bullshit, and XXL was after a while was bullshit. Yeah. but Scratch Magazine was always straightforward, and it was just what we wanted. It was
2: what we wanted. Man, I remember seeing that, like, that, uh, the one that made me, like, I was like, well, this magazine is the shit, was the Nas and yeah. DJ Premierish. Yeah, Nas like, and Premier
1: on the, on
2: the cover. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I love the thing about I loved that mixtape, it always showed love to the producers. Yeah,
1: that's what, I loved it, man. Like, a lot of people, you know, before people were actually saying their names on the records, like, Pete, Pete was the first one to do that, like. No one else was the first one. Pete Pete Rock was the first one to go with the saying your name on the record and making your presence known on the record. But now it's a part of the tagline is in. But before all that, yo, no one gave a fuck about the producers. No one cared. Yeah. Which was unfortunate. It was really bad.
2: Yeah, because I always tell people this too. The producers deserve just as much credit and shine as the artists does because they're the ones who made the beat that you're bopping your head to.
1: Exactly, but they
2: don't look at it that way. Yeah, but though I'm trying, I'm trying to change that on here because in the media, I'm trying to change this media game by, by giving credit to the DJs and producers as well.
1: Thank you, thank you so much.
2: Oh, anytime, Mr. It, Walt, because like I said, you are one of the very important figures in hip hop too. Like, thank you. Hell, you even did one of Eminem's first records. Yeah, I did. I
1: did his first one of his first joint song, Raucous. Um, uh, we we were doing what was that sound bombing? Yeah, sound yeah.
2: bombing two. It
1: was sound bombing two. And like I said, I was just so happy to be a part of Raucus in the in the very beginning before they showed me their asshole <laughs> um, I like that. <laughs> so um Jarrett was like, Listen, I got this kid I want you to work with. So I said, "Who?" He said, "It's this guy from Detroit. I want you. To, he's a white guy. I want you to work with him." I was like, "Yo, man, listen. I trust you. You know, <laughs> uh, whatever you want to do, I'll do it." So we go to the studio that day. Um, I bring beats and Paul. I met Paul first. Wow, Paul Rosenberg. I was like, "Hey, what's up?" Bye, bye, bye. This and I thought it was him that was going to rob. I was like, "Yo, this guy looks like a fucking Paul Bunyan." Guy. <laughs> you know? But it was like, "Nah, this. I got this guy named M." This guy named uh, Eminem from Detroit. So I was like, oh, word? I was like, okay, he's in the lounge. He was just sitting there chilling. I walk up to him hey, what's up, Mr. Warren he said, hey, man, Eminem was real cool, right? So he comes in, he picks the beat, um, and me and my engineer, Karen, is there. I think Evil, Evil was there, too. Okay. And he goes in the booth. He already knew, he heard the beat. He already knew what he was going to say. He goes in the booth. He says, yo, I'm ready. I was like, oh, okay, cool first thing he says is, hi. And once he said hi, I looked at Kieran, Kieran looked at me, and we said, what the fuck did we just get ourselves into? <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: uh,
1: I mean, um, he fucking bodied the record, but just to hear that intro, hi, yeah. I was like, wow, yeah.
2: wow. It's like something unexpected. It's like, what? Did he hear say... Yeah, usually? yeah. So,
1: yeah. Okay. I was like, wow,
2: okay. So when you finished <laughs> the record, what was the reaction after that? It's like, okay, I could get past the, the intro.
1: Well, when I heard the lyrics, I heard what he put on and how he was rhyming. I was like, okay, it's cool. Like, the, you know, I never, like I said, it was just the high that threw us off.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> like I said, like Kieran, 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 we kind of thought a lot, especially on music. Yes. So, once I looked at Kieran, and Karen looked at me, we already knew what it was. Like We were like, okay, what the fuck did we just do right here? And stuff like that. But it, it, it came out great. Okay.
2: And then, yeah. um, was this before? Uh, this must have been after the Slim Shady LP.
1: No, the, the Slim Shady LP uh, didn't even drop yet. Like oh, We didn't wow. even hear anything. I didn't hear anything about Dr. Dre until after we recorded the record. Like, I didn't hear anything about Dr. Dre. I didn't hear anything about Aftermath. He was supposed to map. he was supposed to be on Duck Down. He wasn't supposed to be on Aftermath. Really? He was going to be on Duck Down. Yeah, he was, he was getting ready to sign to Duck Down. Wow. And then Dr. Dre came in, and the rest is history. So, and plus, look, look, Aftermath, what they did for Eminem, Duck, Duck Down would never, ever done that for him. Because Duck Down, to this day, still don't have the capabilities to do that for an artist.
2: Well, Duckdown is respected at most places, though. But a lot of people, they do know Eminem more than Duckdown though. But but yeah. Em always does show love to you guys, too. Like, one of the records that mostly people don't even know. He, he did. He remixed. I got you open.
1: Okay. You want to talk about that? I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth behind
2: that. Oh, yes, please.
1: I'll, I'm kind of upset about that record. Because, number one... He didn't let, no one let me and Evil know that he was doing a record over. Not even Drew and Buckshot.
2: Oh, damn.
1: They did it behind our backs, right? A friend of mine who was working with Dre and M called me and said, yo, they're doing your record over. Damn. So I said, oh, okay. And Drew knew about it, but Drew never, Drew never said nothing to me and, and stuff like that. But he knew about it, Right. Okay. So Buck and Drew go, and they, they do the record with Em. And again, like I said, no one reaches out to me and he, right? The record comes out, and in New York, over here in New York, like, Flex is playing the record, and everybody's like, yo, wow, wow the record sounds dope. And of course, technically, it's just it's instrumental to I Got You Open, right? Yeah. So whoever his producers were, these two fucking assholes, <laughs> right? They get on, they do something on YouTube, and they say, um, yeah, you know, it took us a long time to put this record together, you know, we had to put the right horns, and it took us, it took us, uh, almost, uh, a half an hour to do the scratches, and this and that, and I'm looking, they're saying this all on YouTube, Yeah, I think the name of their, I forgot the name of their production crew, um the catalyst that's the name of their group
2: okay i'm gonna have to search them up
1: i'm i'm looking on youtube saying like what the fuck is these two guys talking about <laughs> they didn't do shit all they did was sample our record they did, you know what they did they played the horn i was just gonna part. say
2: they changed the. they horn. played
1: that live but they did nothing to the record and then you want to front and say yo we took us a, a 30 minutes to do the scratching. When, it's, when all it was, you looped my brother's scratches.
2: Yeah. And, as, and that takes what? Two minutes?
1: Two? Less than two minutes. Yeah. So I'm like, yo, really? And my thing was, you could have reached out to us to do the record.
2: Yeah. Instead you know of having like somebody else doing it.
1: This is where I respect someone like a Buster Rhymes. Buster Rhymes, because Flip Mode did I Got You Open Over. They reached out to me, like me and Buster have a relationship already, but they reached out and said, yo, we want to do I Got You Open Over. We went and laid the actual disc and the actual sounds down for, for Buster, like Buster included us because it was our record. Yeah. Right?
2: Because he's paying homage.
1: Yeah. Eminem didn't do that. Wow, he didn't do that and I didn't like that I didn't like that
2: well, and he, he, I never he, really
1: said anything the reason why I never said anything is because um, I'm constantly on his radio station as far as for like people who we sub and we cover, we cover for a lot of people on his station like you know we cover for like maybe four DJs on his station so I really, I'm really, i not going to burn that bridge even though it, it's it's not burnt but It could have been handled a different way.
2: Yeah, yes.
1: It could have been handled a different way, and a respectful way. That would always be, like, a a bad taste in my mouth and stuff like that. I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. It was done. And then, no one stops to your producers or whoever these guys are, the catalyst. I never even fucking heard of them until that day.
2: Uh, (laughs) Well, they ain't making records. I I still ain't of them. don't say
1: that, because... Yeah, because
2: really, y'all didn't do shit
1: because oh, that was all Mr. Wall and
2: Evil D shit. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, and see, like, and if it makes you feel better, Mr. Wall, that's <laughs> yeah. only on a Call of Duty uh, soundtrack. That's not even on his albums. <laughs>
1: only on a call of duty thing but i got my publishing
2: and i got my writers and i got my my royalty so i'm cool with that oh okay okay yeah i'm glad to hear yeah
1: it's still it could it still could have been done a different way yeah i'm saying they could have included
2: you guys instead of the catalyst yeah
1: yeah
2: we don't know what the fuck i fuck with beat miners
1: yeah yeah like, (laughs) like a real head with no dude Catalyst, who are you? Like, this is all <laughs> B-. You know what I'm saying? Who the fuck are you guys? Like, when I saw that, I was really upset about that. Because you guys you guys are sitting there taking credit for something that you didn't even fucking do? Come on, guys. Yeah. That's, that was whack.
2: They probably weren't even fucking born when that shit was out.
1: No, they, they look like they were older, so they look like they get it. My thing was, they look like they have no knowledge of the actual record. Like, who made the record? Because if you knew who made the record, you know, oh these guys are still here and these guys can fucking
2: still get busy like,
1: come at me. Yeah, they can still get busy. And they could come at me on some yo my man, you ain't
2: do this shit. Stop with the are <laughs> yeah. Like, check out Rise of the Moon for example.
1: Yeah.
2: Like some of the joints on there too, like holy shit, it just takes me back. Thank
1: you, man. Uh, Thank
2: you. Anytime. Um I was curious, do you still have um the three copies of New Edition's second album?
1: <laughs> yeah yes i do <laughs> I, just, I
2: have to ask
1: you know i really wish i could i really wish I could have done that uh what was that that was um crate diggers Bay, i think yes i wish I really wish I could have done that over i didn't <laughs> I don't know why we took them to the basement like <laughs> we we have three floors full of records in this house
2: oh yeah, i heard i like, heard yeah
1: me me and my brother own we own this house. And we have three floors full of records up here. And for some reason, I don't know why I didn't take them up upstairs to my spot or downstairs to each spot. But we were in the basement. I guess the bulk of our records are in the basement. Yeah. But why would you? I was like, why would we show them new editions? Right? <laughs> <laughs> why? That's not impri- I'm not
2: impressing nobody. It was so random, too, when I seen them. I'm yeah. like, I'm going to ask him that if he still has those. You know
1: what it was, too? We worked, both of us worked in record stores. So, we would just bring a lot
2: of shit home. Gee, you must got a lot of free vinyl. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we have a lot. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. <laughs> um, I'm just weeding. Like, I've been weeding out the stuff, like, in the past, maybe, six years. I've been weeding the stuff out. Okay. Yeah.
2: Well, um, is it true that you only have 100 test pressings of enter-the-stage in- instrumental vinyls, and 90 of them are only in the Beat Miner's basement?
1: I guess evil said that I didn't say that. I don't know what he was talking about. I think he just said that shit just to say, but everyone hits us everyone who sees us always acts us about
2: that. <laughs> yeah, because that's the those will go for nice, nice, nice <laughs> contribution. I like,
1: yeah. what? Why would you say that? He, like, he would get them for his shows. He would get them for... This was, like, before Serato and stuff like that. He would have, the, like, the acetates, and he would get the acetates for the shows. Okay. So, I don't know why he even put that out there.
2: <laughs> now, um, one a story that you guys always share, um, I always wanted to know about, too. Is it true that you? Well, it is true. But you guys used to go like the name Beat Miners. You guys used to go to this um, record store. I forget what it was called, but in the basement there'll be water, rats. Yeah, it was
1: um, it was a spot on Linden in East New York. Okay. We I forgot the. It was like a a flea market type spot. Okay. Liberty. It was on Liberty. Excuse me, Liberty, and we would go. It would be me. Baby Paul and Evil would go. Sometimes we would bring Q-tip with us. Sometimes Rashad Smith would be in there. Um, Buck um, Wow. Sometimes we come down from the Bronx. Wow, DITC. Yeah. Well, you know that's that's always been our brothers, like from day one. Like, that's it. Though that's always that like we're extended family. Like beat Miners and digging in the crates is just one big group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just one big family. Like the other, like this past um, Tuesday, we um, we all Wednesday, we all got together. It was for Laura Vanessa's fiftieth birthday party. I'm just gonna say that. Yeah, we was just all of us were together, and we were just you know we was there for our brother.
2: Yeah, and it also shows too that. You guys have genuine respect and care about the friendships because if you guys were just in it for the music, you're like, oh, it's just whatever. It's his birthday, but you guys actually celebrate life together, and that's what I love. No, about that's
1: them. yeah. That, that those are those guys are my family. Um, the 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 bond between us, the really connecting bond, was uh, is uh, me, Ness, and um, and Buck. Like we we are like those the us three are like the, that's where the bond is like right, right there like i love show and stuff like that but show was always show was so mysterious and show was always <laughs> yeah. yeah show was always to himself and but you know i love show but the, i i always used to be with um buck and ness and you know this is when easy lp was down with them and og like og is everybody when we have an issue with something, Joe OG is the one that rectifies the issue with us and stuff like that. So it's always been, you know, and when I say issue, meaning like MPCs um, and, and you know, uh, uh, any Akai issues, like computer issues, OG is like the tech, the technician of technicians. And he's <laughs> an incredible producer.
2: Oh, yeah. Yes, he's he an is.
1: Incredible producer. So, yeah. So, you know, Digging in the Crates and Beat miners is just one thing. It's one.
2: Okay. Now, have you guys ever thought about coming together for like a supergroup collective producer album?
1: That would be dope, but I guess we have different, everybody has different visions now. So I don't know if that would be, like if we we would talk about it in our heyday, it would have popped off.
0: But you know, well, well, yeah. well, well let
2: me let me hold you up, Mr. Walt with now with the Griselda and Royce the five nine with lyricalism and these hardcore lo fi beats making a comeback, I think now would be the perfect time for you guys to do that. That shit would be would get the recognition it deserves.
1: But you know when we do come together, like we come together on albums. So we first all of us came together on Jewels, on the O C record. Right? No, really we came, we started we did the mike geronimo record
2: i was just gonna first. say the natural
1: yeah we did mike geronimo show first and then we did other albums but what stands out is the oc Jewels. and then recently we last year we did we did the david bars ep like show got a, he got him a premiere he got this kid david bars that's really really dope and i did a song on there and, of course, majority of the work was done by show uh, Ness and and Buck. And, you know, Break Lou had did a song on there, too. But usually when we all, when Beat Moders and DITC meet up on a project, that project is is like a, a great project. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: Okay. Now, with you having an extensive production discography, too, do you have... Any favorite instrumentals of the songs we now know?
1: Wow, instrumentals. Um hmm. You're like, talking about your favorite beats?
2: Yeah, yeah. Maybe like a, maybe like M.O.P. First Family for Life. or
1: um, I really like that beat, too. Right. I, like, I, like, I really like the mix that Eddie Sancho did on that. That was an amazing mix. But it's just so many of the beats, like... Bucktown USA
2: and okay yeah that that is tight
1: weird. yeah Bucktown USA I love yes tight um Roddy tight uh trade money dilated peoples um it was so many onslaught onslaught to me onslaught is my favorite Black Moon record
0: who
2: and that's actually yeah. it's uh you guys are celebrating the anniversary for that record yeah twenty
1: twenty one right twenty one yes sir. Years. yeah yeah I, I, Duckdown dropped the ball on that one too.
2: Um, I was going to say that was yeah, the one that they least the pushed because I noticed the one after that got a lot more recognition.
1: No, Duck drop, duck Down dropped the ball on that because in New York, right, we, all right, so the first single was Onslaught and Showdown, right? Yeah. And Onslaught was bubbling, right? And we already knew the power of two turntables was and a mic. Like we already knew what that was going to do, so we was holding that. One of the idiots said, "Duck down." I don't know who it was. Let Flex here two turntable on the mic. He automatically loved it, and he started bl- blowing that record up when we had "Onslaught" out as a single. So the record Turnaround killed "Onslaught," right? It killed "Onslaught." So two turntable on the mic blows up, but then one thing about the whole Black Moon. Aura is or the Black Moon thing is whenever we put a record out someone put the same a a, a record out with the same beat that we use so if you look at the first album I Got You Open we had the Barry White shit but then Illinois Scratch had the Barry White shit right
2: oh yeah
1: that pops off like and then you know the second album was on we had Heartbeat two turntables and Mike DMX had his Heartbeat record that's what pop off and with the third album, Totally Eclipse, we had the the um Stay Real, and Jay Z had the PSA shit.
2: That's why that record sounds kind of okay. yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: I never that, thought of it like been that. The Black said Moon that.
1: Aura. This album is the first album no one has ever. They didn't do it because a lot of shit that we fucked with was a lot of obscure shit.
0: Wow,
2: I never knew. Okay, now yeah. that you put that into my perspective, that that is yeah. so true.
1: That's always been the black
2: moon the black moon sense. Damn, okay. I was gonna yeah. say because the Because like um on my opinion, I didn't like Warzone that much. Like I loved Onslaught and the track of M O P and Teflon and Five, but but the total eclipse, like the way shit is, that is my shit. I drink that yeah. want coffee. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Anytime. Um
1: Warzone was it was just no the vibe wasn't there between us and Buck. Like, the vibe wasn't there. There's it's a couple of great records on there. Like, I Throw Your Hands in the Air. Oh, yeah. Which I really love. I love that record. And of course, Onslaught, Warzone. Um, uh, of course, Two turntables in a Mic. Um, and Annihilation.
2: That's but what it's called. It's called really, MLP, yes.
1: Yeah. There's really no connection. There was no connection there
2: okay. with us
1: and Buck on that second album.
2: Now and then, and, and like even like when you guys come together for like Rise of the Black Moon, you guys never uh-huh. lost a step. If anything, you guys got better.
1: I mean, I I feel like me and E, our approach to this music is we love music and we love hip hop and we love doing this music shit, but we also love our sound. Yeah, and you can't come in and. Say to us, you know, I want I want this record to automatically sound great following a uh, Cardi B or following, um, you know, whoever. I want you to do you. And a lot of people were like, uh, I need you to take the bass out and do this and do that. And I was just looking at people like, you guys are high. <laughs> <laughs> Like, come on, dude! This is our sound. Like,
2: come on. Yeah, like, what You're the hell son. are you smoking, at yeah, Reggie? Like,
1: me and E take time when it comes down to like our beats and stuff like that. Not all, not all the beats are great, but we put time and effort into our shit. Yeah, that's As, not just something we And especially with Rise of the Moon, we did that. Even though Rise of the Moon is majority Evil D, because I was I was very sick around the time that we were tracking and stuff like that, so my input really wasn't there as far as the track, but as far as the mixing, I was there for every mix session, just to make sure, because I was, I was better at that time, and I uh like I said, I wanted to oversee at least the mixing to make mix sure at least we still have what we have.
2: Yeah, to give it that to give it that essence of you in it.
1: Exactly, exactly.
2: Okay. Exactly. Now, um, I can't believe my dumbass didn't say this from the beginning, uh, my bad, Mr. Um you also have one of my favorite records from uh, Helter Skelter, Prowl, with Louisville Slugger. That in my shirt right there. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering thank you, you. I was wondering if you could take me back to that session for that particular song. No, you know
1: what?
2: And it's okay I forgot who asked me to loop
1: that up. <laughs> I don't know if it was Rock or Rock. Someone asked me to say, yo, can you loop up? Can you loop up that, um, Lalo, I can never say this guy's last name, Sh- Shishran. Oh, Alastair Shishran, I don't even yeah, about it. I think, think Portishead used it around that time?
2: Um, uh, not too familiar, but I know the name of this Lalo sister because I've seen that name pop up, pop up a couple of times.
1: Well, yeah, he, he's like one of my favorite guys, like he did, um, he did, um, uh, Mission Impossible and all that stuff. Really? Wow. Yeah, he, he, did, he did the Mission Impossible. I think that's where I got it from. I oh. think I got it from one of the Mission Impossible records. <laughs> yeah, that's Mission Impossible. That's from the soundtrack. Because they put two soundtracks out. And I, th- I, th- I think I took that from one of them.
2: Man, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that soundtrack. Yeah, but
1: at the same time, Porterhead had used it um, around that time. So I forgot it was either Sean or Rob that said, yo, I want to ride him off of that. Okay. And usually, my thing was I always, I always felt like I was in competition, even though we're we're all friends. But I always felt like I was always trying to outdo the tips and the preems and the Pete Rock and the Large Professors and stuff like that. So I always wanted to use the most obscure shit, or at least the least used record, just so I could be in there weight class, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. that was how it was, how I looked at that thing. Never really, like all the kids that we used that had a familiar sample, I, nine out of ten times, I was the one that said I didn't want to do it. But my thing was, my fo- focus really was trying to stay ahead of, like I said, P-Rock, large professor, Q-Tip, and all of them. So when Buck said he wanted to rhyme off of Barry White. I was like, ah, I don't know. When he said he wanted to rhyme off of Grover Washington. I said, ah, I don't know. When you know he said, oh, when OC said y'all want to rhyme off of Daisy Lady, I was like, ah, I don't know. Like I was against all these records, but then I did them, and these records become big records.
2: Yeah, and it's like, did you have to be like, damn, I'm, I'm never gonna do that again?
1: Um, I eventually grew out of it. Like I was young too. I was young. Oh, yeah. I didn't really get it. I really didn't really get it where uh I just felt like I was I felt like someone like a showbiz or someone like a Diamond D would look at me like, yo, why'd you sample that? And why <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like I used to I used to be that guy. I used to, especially with I remember when Buck Buck wild sampled um Surface Happy for G Rap and Nas. I called Buck. As soon as I heard the record, I called him like 4 o'clock in the morning. Yo, why'd you sample that? You know, like, I felt like I was the sample police. You know, <laughs> like, <no>. so, <laughs> so, I just didn't want to get that phone call. The same phone call I gave, I didn't want to get it. But then after a while, I was like, ah, fuck it, who cares?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
2: But you live in your lane, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I, and I'm, I'm one to admit, yo, when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I will admit it. I Like, how many MCs? I said, Buck did that in one verse. Ooh. Right? I said to him, you sure you want to um keep that vocal? You might want to do your vocals over. And he said, no, I'm going to keep that. I said, you sure? You, I don't know about this. He said, Walt, well, trust me. I left it alone. Look what happened.
0: <laughs>
1: so I one thing about me, I own up to my shit. When I fuck up, I fuck up.
2: Oh, and but see, that's what makes you rare and one of the real people out there because not a lot yeah. of people would do that.
1: No, no, they'll sit back and be like, "Yo, it was all me." It was <laughs> all it was
2: not all me. <laughs> Take all the credit over and they did Jackson. Yeah, show.
1: I did this and I did that. No, no, I, like,
2: I mean, it'd be like catalyst. Yeah, there's little shot. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> it
1: took us a half an hour.
2: To do the scratch Shut the <laughs> fuck up. Yeah. You ain't do shit, Catalyst. <laughs> you ain't
1: do nothing. You ain't do nothing, yo. Come
2: on. Um, was it hard to get um, Ruck in the studio, too? Because I heard stories that he sold people the same verse for 10 years, and they just had to hold that out.
1: For real? I never heard that. It was
2: actually on Twitter. I think Duckdown posted it.
1: Rock or Ruck?
2: Uh, Ruck. Not Rock. Ruck. Oh, Sean oh, Price.
1: Price. To get him to the studio to do what?
2: Oh, just like just like verses for like uh, Hel- for the sessions for Helter Skelter Nocturnal.
1: No, Sean was always at all the sessions, but you have to understand Rock from Helter Skelter and Sean Price.
2: Two different, two different people. people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's... So when Sean got older and Sean and Sean became Sean Price, it was a different person. It wasn't Rock.
2: Yeah, because I I heard Ruck used to get busy in the streets.
1: Ruck, no, both of them got busy. Sean Price and Ruck got busy. But Ruck was, Ruck was an asshole. And Ruck, like, I, one day I bring, um, Pops the News to the studio. And I was doing an out-skelter session that day. Okay. And I, um, Pops comes into the room, right? Merce comes in the room, and he says, I said, yo, Merce. This is my man um Ruck Ruck Merce. Instead of saying hi to him, he goes, Yo, I'm nice, son. My <laughs> shit is nice. I'm not whack. My shit is nice. And I'm looking at him like, yo, dude, what are you doing, dude? Like what are you I'm like, yo, no one said you wasn't nice. Like, dude. Yo, fuck that, son. I'm nice. <laughs> I said, yo I said, You're part of him, yo. That's that's just how he is, you know, blah, 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 this and that. And that. and Merce found it funny, but Come on, dude. Like that's, but that was Rock.
2: Yeah, that was his personality. Sean Price,
1: like when he became Sean Price, like Sean Price was, Sean Price was he? He had a chip on his shoulder because he had to show these people, like when Rock left, Rock left Duckdown and left Boot Camp, yeah, to go with DJ Lethal and um, Fred Durst because they started a label, and the first person they signed was Rock, so he left. Be on boot camp and started fucking with them. You know the guys in the, in the camp felt some, some type of way, especially Sean.
2: Oh so, yeah, that was a party.
1: Sean had something to prove, so Sean reinvented himself, started going hard more with the Sean Price shit, and he became the beast that he was. Like, so if you would ask me that question about Sean Price, then that would be a different thing. I, okay. But yeah. Ruck was was like
2: he was always at all the sessions. He was there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And it's and it's crazy to hear like his praise like that. Just says like I'm nice son. Fuck that. Yo, he that was
1: how. Yo, I was embarrassed when he said that <laughs> shit. I just couldn't believe it.
2: It's like what are do you doing?
1: Do? I'm introducing you to somebody. That's how you fucking meet them. Dude, <laughs> it's,
2: fine. it's like come on, man. <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. Sean Price. We miss you. Met yeah. you?
0: Um, but you know
1: what? At the end of the day, like if you known him though, if you if you knew Sean, uh, you first of all you know that's him, and second of all you know that he's a fucking a jokester, and he's fucking just there to make you laugh, and he just do off the wall shit. But at the best, at the end of the day, he's one of the best dudes ever.
2: He is. Um, yeah. The very because I because this is where I'm going with this too. Have you ever played mm-hmm. Grand Fifth Auto Three?
1: I think I did. I don't remember, but I think I did. I think I went through all of them and after a while, like once you have a child, your video days Oh yeah, they're done. Days are
0: over. Yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> well, well, where I'm going with this, um, because I was born in 1991, so I had to, so I found, I had to do my homework on everything in the 90s, so the very yeah. first time I am playing Grand Theft Auto 3, I hear Rising to the Top by Sean Price, and I was like, who the fuck is yeah. this? Like, yeah. I need to find everything by this guy, and this is how I found yeah. Held Skelka, Smith and Wes, yeah. Black Moon.
1: And that's why I said he had something to prove, like he had to come into his own, so he took pride into all the shit that he
2: made. Like, he wanted you to hear. Like, he was going to make sure you heard every record that he made. Oh, he he made sure he did. Oh, yeah, he, he accomplished
1: yeah. that. Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay. Now, um, have you ever been uh, reached out for somebody's Like, hey, um, Mr. Walt, we want to have you in and uh, one of your songs in a video game. Has that ever happened to you?
1: Well, we did the music for NBA 2K. Really? Yeah, we did. Like, when... when the first one that came out. Yeah, the very first one. The touquet. Dreamcast one? I remember that. I think Alan Iverson was on the cover.
2: I'm actually just going to look through my Dreamcast collection. I actually have it you'll yeah.
1: <laughs> yo, yo, dude, seriously, you have, like, your Dreamcast collection, like, right at your at, at your fingertips?
2: Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually sitting right beside my shelf with all the CDs in it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a nerd. For the people out there, they don't know low gets wow. busy, but I, I love that street hip-hop, that vintage 90s shit. That, wow. That, wow. It is uh, Island Iverson on it.
1: Yeah, we did the, we did beats
2: on that one. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, we
1: did beats so on that open one. And up. I think it's that one, or maybe it's... I think, yeah, I think it's that one. And then on one of them, I know Take That, I think... I think they used Take That on one of them. Okay. Yeah, that, I think Take That was on That's one of
2: them. hell of a good look, though, for, like, just for, like, one of the ones you just threw out there, NBA yeah. two, yeah. the very first NBA, 2K,
1: mind you? Yeah, we did the beats on that.
2: These guys are on 2K20 now. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yep. Okay, yep. a little piece of history right there for you youngins out there. If you don't know Dreamcast, tap the fuck in. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> That's my shit, move. <laughs> That's my shit right there. <laughs> Jet Set Radio. Um, <laughs> um, so, Mr. Walt, um, I really appreciate your time. Um, it's this all is,
0: good, man. This
2: is a question Um, I ask at the end of each episode because... Okay. I used to, when I hear interviews, I used to hear different perspectives on motivation or how people get through certain shit. So maybe there's somebody out there that really looks up to you. And and, and you can answer this whatever way you want. That's why I ask everyone this, because nobody has the same way of answering this question. Uh With that being said, do you have any words for somebody in a dark place trying to see the light?
1: Uh, Just in life in general? Yeah. Um... I mean, I don't know, like, um, the most I can say is, man, is just, you know, you use God as your motivation, man, like God, he, he he helps you find and see things, he or she helps you find and see things in a way that it will give you a perspective on what's going on, just pray, man, pray every day, you know what I'm saying, and, and just keep a good a good line open to God and like I said through prayer everything should be okay um as far as for just take life one day at a time too man you know what I'm saying if you're fucked up and you're at your lowest just remember out there somebody lower than you
2: now that's a whole gem right there
1: yeah somebody lower than you so you
2: know because you think your day may be fucked up but there's people out there with nowhere to live Exactly. Exactly.
1: So, whatever there like whatever you feel like you're lacking, trust me, someone is lacking more than that.
2: Wow. Well, uh, Mr. Wall, I never never thought I would get that answer out of you because when I asked that <laughs> question to like somebody <laughs> like a cast you know a Cass said what he said. That's my he's little that,
1: brother too. What yes, say?
2: He's like, "Don't get over it."
1: Yep, that's right. <laughs> you know, that's my boy. That's I love that fucking dude. He's incredible. Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) He appeared two times on the show.
1: That's, yeah, that's my little brother, man. I love him, man. That's my guy.
2: And y'all even have a song of him on Brace for Impact.
1: Well, well, no, but we have, we're working on a new record now
2: called Stifle Creativity. Oh, shit. Exclusive. Yeah, the reason
1: why we call it Stifle Creativity is, is like, it was a time where everybody was afraid of the sampling and afraid of the digging and afraid of... We took it back to that, and we were just like, fuck it, man, let's just go ahead and do it. If the record comes out, it comes out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Like, if people want us to take it down off of any streaming services or any whatever, I mean, hey, somehow I'll get it to everybody. And, and so I just want to make that record. Oh. And we have a song with Razzcastle that's really fucking dope.
2: Okay. that that would be paying attention for that. Yeah. Um, well, really, Mister Walt, really um, I do appreciate your time to the fullest. Like I said, dream come true. Um, anything, thank you, man. Hey, thank you. Anything you like to thank plug you. in?
1: <laughs> um, like I said, uh, beat minus radio. You know, that's our thing. That's what me and Evil uh, we've been doing for the past on, on the internet. We've been doing for for the past ten years. And beat miners radio, you can find that at www dot com. But record wise. Uh, You got that Black Moon record. You got that David Bars record. Um, You got upcoming, you got uh, The Shining 25th Anniversary uh, re-release with a little added surprise on there. Oh, shit. Yeah, when you get it, you'll see. Um, Got my money. Huh?
2: You got my money.
1: Yes, thank you, sir. (laughs) (laughs) And we have uh, something called "stifle creativity." the a new beatminer's album coming out with me and Evil. We, uh, you know, we made it for the people who appreciate the beatminer's boom-bap sound.
2: Ah, uh, uh, I love here. Yeah, uh, we have
1: people like Kara Swan on it. We have Kara Swan. We have De La Soul. We have uh, Razcast. We have um, Rusty Jux. We have. Um, boot Camp of course there's a Boot Camp song um, yeah. <laughs> yo we have so much going on with this record like man. it's gonna be crazy man it's gonna be crazy I
2: feel like i Christmas right now <laughs> <laughs> you know um i'll definitely be i'll definitely be willing to pay for that when it comes out Mr. thank you Walt. so
1: much thank you
2: um so with that being said this is a legend right here from the desk low we give acknowledge to the producers and djs because they deserve as much shine as they do with the artists so we're from the bottom of my heart i want to say thank you mr Walt, for appearing on thank from the you. desk low
1: it's all good man
0: it's all
2: good.